0: amen thanks team that was great hey great to be able to worship together hey well it's good to see you um if we've not met my name is isaac and uh i'm lucky enough to be on the team here at new vine and a happy mother's day to you um i just want to extend my happy mother's day uh to you. I know that DJ has already, but we are really glad that you've decided to join us um, this morning and we hope that you feel loved and spoiled. We hope that the couple of minutes, maybe kid-free after the service, is a um, refreshing little moment for you. Hey, but whether you're a mum or not this morning, um, we just thank God for the wonderful women that are a part of this church, as DJ said, um, Today isn't always a day of celebration, but we want you all to know that, uh, women, we value you. Ladies, we love that you are a part of this church, and thank you um, for all that you do. So, men in the room, can we just show our appreciation to the wonderful women in our midst? Good, good. Hey, um, just quickly, if you are in year 9, 10, or 11, we, um, we have a program next door, Dig Deeper, that is about to uh, kick off. You can jump up, head out to that. Andy Bell is over in the corner there. Um, so, year 9, 10, and 11, go find Andy. It'll be a good time together. Hey, well, it is a really good day to uh, open God's Word, yes? It's particularly good to open from the book of Colossians, because that's what this sermon's on. So that's where we are headed. If you missed last week, um, Luke kicked off a new series, and I was out next door, but I heard that it's, as DJ mentioned, it is titled The Divine Dress Code, which is pretty good. Some of you are looking divine this morning, some of you not so much, but you have three more weeks to hone that in. Um, Regardless of the title, though... uh, We're going to have a look at some of Paul's letters. Uh, We're going to look at one this morning. We're going to look at a couple in the coming weeks as well. Letters to a number of different churches. Um, Some uh, parts of these letters are for encouragement. Others, Other parts of them are Paul sort of trying to bring some correction. But ultimately, Paul's heart here is that the church, um, these early churches he is writing to, would sort of rise to uh, the call of being... Christ's ambassadors, um, being God's representatives here on earth. Uh, If you missed it, I think Luke, uh, Luke Reed summed it up really well last week. He said in his message, Jesus, although divine, clothed himself with humanity, representing God to the world. Now we, although human, can clothe ourselves in divinity to continue representing God to the world. The call for the early church to continue representing God to the world. And this theme that we're picking up is um, clothing ourselves. Clothing ourselves. Last week Luke talked about clothing ourselves with Christ. Um, Romans 13. Instead, clothe yourself with the presence of the Lord Jesus Christ. And this week we're going to be looking at a passage from Colossians chapter 3. Where Paul encourages the church of Colossae to clothe themselves in love. In verse 14 we read, over all of these virtues put on love as the church, as the example of Christ to the world, be known for your love. And, uh, and that's what we're going to look at this morning but before we do I'm just going to pray for us. Well Father we thank you for today and um, we thank you for the opportunity we have to be here to meet together, to freely stand here and give you thanks for your goodness, to stand here and have the opportunity to open your word. Um, God, we thank you for um, our mums. We thank you for the women that you have placed in this church um, and the blessing that they are to us. God, may they feel valued today. May they feel loved Uh, God, this morning we come before you with open hearts to what it is that you want to say to us. So we invite you to do that this morning. Amen. Um, Hey, well, mum, some bad news. Colossians 3, I don't think there's going to be much here for you. Verse 12, clothe yourself with compassion, kindness, humility, gentleness and patience. Bear with each other and forgive one another. Um, The NLT version says, make allowances for each other's faults. I feel like mums do that very well. I have a mum, I've known her quite a while, she does that well. Compassionate, kind, humble, gentle, patient, make allowance for everyone else's faults. And mums, you seemingly uh, blitz this in the day-to-day of life, which is lovely to see. And you certainly show plenty of grace um, to us men with our faults. But before we get um, any further into this, uh, I want to give you a little bit of context around the letter um, Paul is writing to the Church of Colossae. If you've heard me share it all, I would really like context. I think it's really important. I think that absolutely um, God, by the power of his Holy Spirit, can speak to us through his Word. sometimes in ways that we don't understand. God can bring revelation. But I also think it's equally important for us to be diligent when it comes to trying to understand the Bible, trying to understand what it is the underlying message is. If I were to tell you that this morning, I didn't give my wife Jess a Mother's Day present, you would probably think I was a terrible person. But with a little bit of context and hearing uh, that Jess said to me, if you just make me breakfast, I'd really rather buy my own present... You might not think so little of me. <laughs> context is important. And every time we come to reading God's Word, a little bit of context goes a long way. So Paul is writing this letter to a small church um, in Colossae. If you are familiar with Paul's writings at all, you may have picked up that Colossians and Ephesians essentially like mirror each other. Paul didn't have the copy and paste function, but it is pretty close to that, Um Chapters 1 through 3 of Colossians and 1 through 4 of Ephesians address what we would call um, orthodoxy. And and this essentially is doctrine or theology. So the first first couple of chapters of both books, Paul addresses theology. Uh, Whilst then in chapters 3 and 4 of Colossians and 4 through 6 of Ephesians, he addresses what we might call orthopraxy, which is right... Practice, But particularly right practice underpinned by right thinking. So Paul writes this letter going, hey, there's some theology that I sort of want us to like use as a foundation here. But in light of knowing what you know now, here's what it might look like. Um, Colossae itself, we don't really know a whole lot about. We know that it was invaded and abandoned around 8900 AD. Um, and then the city itself was destroyed around 1100 AD. And then a few natural disasters later, it is buried. And even to today, it's still buried. We haven't uncovered um, any of it really. But what we do know is Paul is writing to a church um, that was situated in a culture that was wrestling with or even embracing this relatively new belief system of Gnosticism. Now when I say new, it's a few hundred years old at this stage, um, but it was causing some problems for the church in Colossae. And Gnosticism has a number of influences, but a prominent one at the time was a couple of years earlier, a guy you may have known, heard of, a philosopher named Plato. Anyone familiar? Um, a few hundred years before, he had put forward sort of this notion of earth's separation from heaven. More specifically, uh, a separation between spirit or the gods and matter Earth. Now this is hugely oversimplified, but in summary, Paul uh, Plato was suggesting that the gods had created sort of this place, Earth that was barren of spirit. Um, the earth was nothing but matter and at its core it was evil. And earth was sort of like, in some ways this playground. It was sort of like this game um, for humanity where a really small number of humans might be lucky enough to reach this enlightened state where they would understand that maybe life is a little bit bigger than they know. Maybe life is a little more than just matter. And uh, this realization of the gods and this other spiritual realm would lead one day to them being taken away from this evil earth and whisked up into a spiritual realm because of this enlightenment they had received, while everyone else on earth sort of just wandered around in confusion. Does this sound familiar to anyone? Parallel story that we maybe know of. Um, And Paul, in his letter here, is addressing two big areas. Um, One being... An attitude that says, well, hang on a minute, if everything we know is just matter, if everything we know is what we've been told evil to its core, well, why bother? If there's this like tiny group of people who might somehow leave earth and, and move to the next stage... Well, that's such a small chance of being me. Why bother? Why, um, why strive for some higher way of life? Why embrace a system of social ethics and morality? Um, what's the point? Who cares? I'll just do whatever I want. I'll do what pleases me. And you will see if you read Colossians that in uh, the early verses of chapter 3, Paul really hones in on sort of addressing a bunch of sexual immorality within the church, which, again, the sort of furthest point of the pendulum for this Gnosticism was, well, I'm going to do what pleases me and whatever I want, because in the end, it's all just matter. Another response to this um, belief system actually was sort of addressing the church. And what the church had fallen into the trap of doing was overlaying Christianity on this Gnostic belief system where they were actually seeing themselves as the enlightened few they were seeing themselves as this select little group who would crack the code and would one day leave earth and head to heaven they would leave a corrupt and evil world behind and join God up in the sky somewhere and what Paul does is he really tries hard to close this gap between heaven and earth. Um, If we look at verse 13, this is chapter 1, he says, For he has rescued us from the dominion of darkness and brought us into the kingdom of the Son he loves, in whom we have redemption and forgiveness of sins. Paul here um, says he has brought us into the kingdom. He doesn't say he will. Paul's saying it's already happened. God's kingdom is coming here on earth. And he's sort of speaking to a church who 2,000 years ago um, were more focused on going to heaven than they were seeing heaven come to earth. They'd overlaid a belief in Jesus as their escape route and the earth as we knew it was no longer important. Well, that's a really problematic understanding and and view of what it means to follow Jesus. And it's not one unique to the church 2,000 years ago. It's something that for us today, we can still fall into the trap of having a Christianity uh, view that is based around going to heaven, as opposed to the thought of the kingdom coming to earth. So if we look at, uh, we're going to look at chapter 3. If you've got your Bibles, I encourage you to turn to chapter 3, verse 10. We're going to park out here for a little while. Paul says this, "Put on the new self, which is being renewed in the knowledge, in the image of its creator. Here there is no Jew or Gentile, circumcised or uncircumcised, barbarian, Scythian, slave or free, but Christ is all and is in all. Therefore, as God's chosen people, holy and dearly loved, clothe yourself with compassion, kindness, humility, gentleness and patience. Bear with each other and forgive one another if any of you has grievances against someone. Forgive as the Lord forgave you. And over all these virtues, put on love, which binds them together in perfect unity. Let the peace of Christ rule in your heart, since as members of one body you were called to peace. I love how he finishes this. And be thankful. And be thankful so Paul is encouraging this church in Colossae to sort of have a renewed perspective on what it means to be Jesus to the world. He's speaking against this separation of heaven and earth, against this separation of matter and spirit, and saying, don't sit around waiting for heaven. It's not us and them. It's not the slave or free. It's not the enlightened and the blind. It's us. It is humanity it is us together in Christ and says to this church and more than that you are called to be a part of bringing the kingdom of heaven to earth yes share the redemptive message of Jesus but reflect Jesus through your compassion reflect Jesus through your kindness through your patience Reveal Jesus through your humility and your willingness to forgive. He's sort of picking up on this orthodoxy and orthopraxy, that your right living may be underpinned by right theology. Forgive as the Lord forgave you. And over all these virtues, put on love, which binds them all together in perfect unity. Let the peace of Christ rule in your heart, since as members of one body you were called to peace. Paul says, above all these things, put on love. Humility, kindness, and then he says love. Just cover yourself in love. If you were to ask someone today what it is you are known for, do you think their first response would be love? If we had the boldness to ask someone, hey, when you think of me, what's the first thing you think of? Would love be the answer? Sadly, for some of us, it would possibly be what we stand against is the first thing that would come to mind. Sadly, sometimes for the church, the question of what are we known for? It's the things that we stand against, not the things that we stand for. And Paul's sort of saying to this little church in Corinth, and maybe he's saying to the little church in Maryland today, hey, clothe yourself in love. Above all things, be known for your love. If someone asks, what's New Vine known for? May the answer to that be love. Clothe yourself in humility and patience and compassion. Because these are the virtues of the kingdom of God. These are the things that reflect the character of of jesus and what you should be known for um i want us to just look at verse 15 for a little bit as we wrap up here verse 15 says this let the peace of christ rule in your hearts since as members of one body you are called to peace and be thankful i want to know if this morning for you does peace rule in our church, in your home, in your own life, within your family, in your heart, does peace rule? If the answer for you is no, that's okay. It doesn't have to be yes. But does peace rule in your life? Um, if it is no, the good news is that uh, God cares. And God's heart is that peace would rule. Let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts. But I want to ask you this. If you feel like you are lacking peace this morning, these aren't the only reasons. But my question for you is this. Are there times that you choose pride over humility? Does peace rule in your hearts? Do you choose humility over pride? Do you choose compassion over indifference? Does Kindness trump callousness. Does forgiveness trump bitterness? Does gentleness triumph over aggression or patience over frustration? What is it that rules in our life? Because Paul sort of says here, hey, as you reflect the character of Jesus, as you show compassion and gentleness and patience and kindness, the peace of Christ will be evident within your life. Do you choose love when you have the opportunity to? Do I choose love when it's difficult? Often, I probably don't. But Paul is sort of saying this conscious effort to choose compassion and kindness and love is when we see the gap between heaven and earth closed just that little bit more. It's when we see the church reflect the gospel that we read of. Maybe for you this morning, you have never felt peace. Maybe uh, you've never heard of a God who loves or is patient or kind or full of care. Well, maybe his peace is something you would like to experience. And if that's you this morning, I would love to pray for you. Maybe you feel like you've known God your whole life, but peace just still isn't there. Well, this morning, I too would love to pray with you. I'm just going to invite the musos up. Mums, I also want to say this. I want to thank you for the way that you so often, and I know that it's not effortless, but seemingly effortlessly reflect these things. Um, compassion and grace, I thank you for the way that you model to our families, to our kids, to our church, all of those things and reflect the kingdom of heaven just that little bit more. Thank you for modelling those things to our church. But it's not just the mums that have been called to reflect those things. Paul is saying, hey, as the church... Be active in pursuing compassion. Actively pursue kindness. Look for opportunities to show grace and patience and love. And those are the things the church will be known for. In John, we see Jesus say to his disciples, and you will be known as followers of me by your love. That is what the church has been called to know for. That's what it's called to be known for. That's what this little church in Colossae Paul was challenging into. And the same challenge stands for us today. I'm going to invite you to stand. I'm just going to pray and wrap up. Father, we thank you that you are good. And we thank you that the things we just read of, the... uh, the virtues of the kingdom, the character of Jesus in humility and kindness and goodness and patience and love are true of you. God, we thank you that that is unchanging, that they are things that uh, you continue to lavish upon us. And in turn, we thank you for the call um, to represent that to the world around us. God, we thank you for your church Thank you the church is the hope of the world and you have asked us to be a part of that, to be a part of uh, moving a message forward that is drowned in love. God, help us to be people who reflect your character. God, we want to be a church that is known for its radical acts of kindness and its outrageous acts of love, but we acknowledge that that starts here. It starts at home. It starts in our families. It starts in our church. God, we thank you that the good news of Jesus through churches that have embraced this challenge has moved forwards for thousands of years. And we thank you for the opportunity we have to be a part of seeing the kingdom of heaven revealed here on earth. Amen.